What's this? Careful, don't touch that. What is it? It's a recording system. It's there to create a record of all the important meetings and discussions I have in here. Why? For history, Dennis. So people know the deliberations that went into the major decisions of my administration. So everyone can listen in? Eventually, yes. My mom doesn't like it when I listen in when she talks on the phone. I think it's because sometimes she swears and tells fibs. Well, as president, I guess I just try to hold myself to a higher standard and not do those things. Besides, we we won't release all the tapes, just whatever is most important for the American people to hear. On January 20th, 1969, Richard Milhouse Nixon became the 37th President of the United States and took up residence at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And as Mr. Ziegler has stated, the White House has had no involvement whatever in this particular incident. In June 1971, Henry Mitchell, an aerospace engineer, moved his family to Washington, D.C. into a modest row house along Pennsylvania Avenue with his wife Alice and their only child, a precocious and mischief-prone boy of five named Dennis. Go, boy! Mush! Mush! Dennis, what are you doing? Gosh, Ma! Me and Ruff are just practicing for the Iditarod race in Alaska. By forces so random that no statistician would dare calculate the odds, the president and five-year-old Dennis would develop a thoroughly extraordinary relationship, one that some argue would change the course of American history. For BBC Radio 11's award-winning docuseries, Portraitures of Power, I'm Rebecca Baker, and this is Mr. Nixon and the Menace. Chapter 3, A Watershed of Judgment. The president had taken a big gamble in aggressively attacking North Vietnam, and it had, for the time being, paid off. His subsequent summit in Moscow was widely viewed as a success, and with the nearly certain Democratic nomination of George McGovern, a peace-preaching senator from the eminently forgettable state of South Dakota, the president saw a very beatable opponent for the 1972 campaign. June of 1972, we felt pretty good about things. After his return from Moscow, the president took a well-deserved trip to Florida. The president was to head back to Washington on June 19th. Just as he was enthusiastic to get back to work, Nixon was also looking forward to seeing Dennis, who the president felt more protective of after his cowboy town eruption. The uh, president inexplicably felt a deep sense of obligation to the boy. Despite the president's eagerness to see Dennis, he had a much less cheerful issue awaiting him as he returned from Florida. The Watergate break-in. The Watergate story first broke on the 19th, and as far as I was concerned, it was a minor political liability. My advice to the president was to immediately terminate anyone in the White House that might have had ties to this rogue endeavor. The president agreed with me. Initially. There was a very intelligent plan in place to deal with the so-called burglary situation, and then, well, there was Dennis. The question of how to handle the Watergate situation would be discussed in this recorded episode from June 20th, 1972. Uh, Mr. President, do you have a moment? 
Sure, Bob, come in. Henry and I were just looking over Dennis's plans for a new treehouse. Here's the door, and here's a rope ladder so we can pull it up and stop girls from climbing in. Very smart. A treehouse is no place for girls. Someone should have told that to old Teddy Kennedy. <laughs> See, Henry, this is what someone with real vision can do when they put their mind to it. It's uh, certainly an ambitious undertaking. It's my clubhouse, and I decide who gets let in. I'm not sure about you yet, Henry. My people are used to being barred from many of this country's institutions. Mr. President, there is one thing we need to discuss. In a minute, Bob. Dennis, uh, you've got two windows here. You really ought to keep it to just one. You don't want to open yourself up to a two-front war. Absolutely. It's uh, clear that you should place a window on the north side. That will allow you to have a uh, strategic view of the park. No, no, you're wrong, Henry. The north is where you'll face the most direct attack from water guns and snowballs and whatnot. You put this window on the west side. On that side? I can drop water balloons on my dad's head. I think a window to the west will severely hamper your ability to perform uh, valuable reconnaissance. Oh, Henry, what do you know about tree houses anyway? You grew up in the city and had to take two buses to see a goddamn shrubbery. I would argue that Manhattan itself is an urban jungle. Wow, Mr. Nixon. You seem kind of angry. Oh, just some obnoxious news we got yesterday that I have to deal with. That's what I'd like to discuss, Mr. President. What happened? We can't get into it, Dennis. It's something a little more complicated than spilled milk or paper airplanes. Is it trouble like those bug guys who got caught sneaking around yesterday at the Watergate? How do you know about that? Well, I was looking through the paper for the Sunday comics and there was this story about bugs and I read it because I really like bugs and it was about these guys who were trying to put a bunch of bugs into this Watergate building. Yes, well, that's a silly story, unrelated to us. Oh, I see. Okay. So then you don't have any bugs here? Like centipedes or spiders? Uh, I should hope not. If we could just sit down for a minute, sir, and discuss our options. Sure thing, Bob. I call this seat! Dennis, that's the chair I sit in when I brief the president. But I called it! Just sit on the couch, Bob. <laughs> Fine. Okay, so these guys, these, uh, characters who got caught... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. President, it's just very awkward on the couch. I'm facing one way, but have to turn another to speak with you. Dennis, get up from that chair. I called it first, Bob. Yes, but we're not on a bus ride to visit Mount Rushmore. This is the Oval Office. Am I wrong, Henry? I don't believe the boy should have any jurisdiction in the West Wing. Up, Dennis, let's go. But you didn't call this seat. I did. Dennis called the seat, Bob. Maybe you'd be sitting there if you had the same foresight as him. In fact, if you exercised a little bit more foresight, maybe we wouldn't be dealing with some other issues we're faced with this morning, hmm? Issues like some third-rate burglary that happened while I was on vacation? Um, Mr. President, if it pleases you, perhaps we can pick up this discussion sometime later today. That sounds good, Bob. Thank you, Mr. President. You know, Mr. Nixon, I figured out a way to make my troubles go away. And I usually get in a lot of trouble. Oh, 
Okay, Dennis, what do you do to get out of trouble? It's a secret. I don't want Henry to know. I heard that. Okay, Henry, we're done here for the day. Sir, you're excused. Very well. I, I do have a number of social appointments of a romantic nature I can attend to this evening. I'll bet you do. So, what do you do, Dennis? You can keep a secret, right, Mr. Nixon? Sure, just look at Cambodia. What about Cambodia? Exactly. You can count on me, Dennis. What do you do? I'm going to show you. At this point, Dennis led the president out of the Oval Office. Dennis guided Nixon into the Rose Garden, about 25 feet from the portico, and past a hedge. There, below a crabapple tree, Dennis began to dig. The president watched on curiously as Dennis retrieved a burlap bag from under about a foot of dirt. Dennis then hustled back towards the Oval Office, with Nixon close behind him. want anyone out there to see it. This is my bag of tricks. Anytime I have something that could get me in trouble or my parents don't want me to have, I put it in this bag and keep it covered up with dirt back there in the rose garden. Look at all this. Candy bars, firecrackers, bad report cards, and... Oh, wow, is that an official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range air rifle? Yup. Lucky kid. Now, now, what's this? Is, is is that a piece of the White House Roosevelt China? You, you broke it? Pat's been driving the staff crazy looking for these plates. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you mad? Well, you could get in a lot of trouble for all this. If your parents or teachers ever found out. At the same time, you've been able to keep this all hidden. Buried it. Here, right under the White House even. I'm impressed, my boy. I got the idea from Ruff. Ruff? He's my best friend, and he's also a dog. He used to chew up shoes and bury them, so when I broke my dad's glasses once, I buried them in the backyard. My dad found them pretty quick back there, though. My folks are smarter than you'd think. Indeed. So, when I came to the White House and took Clark out that one day, we was in the Rose Garden, and I realized my folks would never look back there, and everyone around here is so busy that no one would notice. So you had your bag of tricks with you, and you just covered it up with dirt? Yep, just covered it right up. Hmm, covered it up. It's so simple. Are you going to tell anyone about it? Well, Dennis, as you know, you've done some bad things here. But I did promise to keep this a secret. And Dick Nixon is a man of his word. Your secret bag of tricks is safe with me. Oh, thanks, Mr. Nixon. You're the best. Could I ask you another favor? Sure. What is it? This is my new Green Beret Johnny doll. Mom says it's too violent for me, but I don't want to bury him in the garden. Do you think you could keep an eye on him for me? Peace with honor. Fire in the hole! Dennis, it would be my honor to keep Green Beret Johnny under my personal command. Thanks, Mr. Nixon. Ruff's my best friend, but you're like my best person friend. <laughs> you're my best person friend too, Dennis. The warm exchange that day marked a pinnacle in understanding and friendship between Dennis and the President. Dennis put enormous trust in the President, 
and in turn the President put great faith in Dennis. Three days later, when Haldeman again brought up Watergate to the President, Nixon promptly changed course. Their conversation regarding the FBI investigation would eventually live in infamy. Recording from June 23rd, 1972. Now, the way to handle this now is, is, is for us to have the CIA call Pat Gray at the FBI and just say, stay the hell out of this. This, this is a business here. We don't want you to go any further on it. That's not an unusual development. Uh-huh. And that would take care of it. They'll stop this if we could take this other step and call the CIA. All right, fine. Good. Good deal. Play it tough. That's the way they play it, and that's the way we are going to play it. With a simple, all right, fine, the president had given an order to obstruct the FBI investigation. It was a decision that would prove catastrophic. At the time, Watergate seemed like something that could easily go away probably would have if we had followed the original plan to let the investigation run its course and not interfere. The president was a man who always went by his gut, but uh, on that day, he was swayed by Dennis to cover everything up. Since their introduction, the president saw Dennis as a relief from some of the burdens of his office, an idyllic escape into the carefree dominion of boyhood. After the decision made on June 23rd, the president would find himself and his legacy inextricably shackled to five-year-old Dennis Mitchell. After Dennis convinced the president to bury everything, that was it. Might as well just buried ourselves. Once the president decided to cover up his administration's misdeeds, there would be no going back. Like hoisting up Spiro Agnew in a chicken fight in the White House pool, the pressure of this decision would weigh heavy on the president's shoulders, and when the situation worsened, he would funnel his frequent frustrations at Dennis. We had achieved so much by the end of our first term and had an opportunity to change the world in our second, and it would all come undone because the president decided to bury Watergate in the dirt like it was a bag of Kit Kats and whatchamacallit. Next week in Portraitures of Power, the President and Dennis head into 1973 as friends and allies. The President won vindication. We stand on the threshold of a new era of peace in the world. But the dogged persistence of a pair of reporters ensured that the shadow of Watergate would continue to linger. And as it did, so would the President's doubts. It bothered him. And so Dennis bothered him. It is my opinion that there is a cancer that is on the presidency. It's compounding daily, sir. A million dollars! We're gonna buy peace of mind. That's what. I'm gonna get grounded for this. Peace with honor. Fire in the hole! Portraitures of Power is an original production of BBC Radio 11, copyright 1990, and current subsidiary of Accelerated Investments, LLC, the sole controlling interest of AA Baseball's two-time champion, North Shore Robert Barons. Go, Robert Barons.